0: Austin Jackson Bank looks up,
1: you can put it on the board,
0: Taves center for Kane, he scores! Oh, Patrick Kane set up by John of the Taves!
1: The dynamic oh, duo comes God. through in overtime! Hawks wins! Looking, finds Rose, Rose trying to get open, fires away!
0: Hello everybody and welcome to a new episode of the Cloud Gate Sports Weekly Podcast. We got a lot of news. Baseball opening day is tomorrow. And I know everybody is beyond pumped for that, for both the White Sox and Cubs. Uh, Also, Bulls make a bunch of moves at the deadline. We're going to break those down, see how the team's doing so far. Uh, Got some Bears news. The NFL is expanding their season to 17 games. We're going to get into a lot of details about that. And the Hawks, is Pat still in the room? Is he pushing the button? We don't know. We will find out later in this episode. Also, the final four is finally set. We will be taking, uh, talking about those games, giving our picks, see if we stick with our Baylor choice of me and PT. And, uh, yeah, so let's just get right into it. PT, take it away.
2: Yeah, so there's not much really to talk about um, with the our Chicago Bears. Nothing's really kind of happened. We'll just touch on a couple small things that have happened. Um, the Bears are bringing back DeAndre, Houston Carson, and um, already burns a little bit depth in our secondary. That's as much needed. Um, that's definitely gonna be a spot you're gonna be really seeing the Bears focus on um, in the future, especially during the draft. I think um, I don't know if you guys have been really looking into mock trades, but a lot of them have us drafting a cornerback in the first round. Uh, so that is definitely interesting for sure, especially with kind of dealing with a quarterback situation as well. So keep a close eye on that one. Um, it's going to be a very touchy uh, position that the Bears are going to be looking into. And then the Bears bring in Damian uh, Williams, uh, running back from Kansas City. There was definitely a little bit of um, talk about this uh, kind of signing. He, uh, I believe he's been hurt for a little bit, um, but he he, he definitely uh, Uh, kind of brought a spark to that offense, and I think uh, we'll see, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of um, use him with Tariq, and um, everyone else kind of being involved in that whole offense, so uh, it'll be interesting, I I, I like it, Um, I I think these are, I mean, these are kind of moves we saw coming, um, and I think that'll be kind of it for free agency agency signing for sure, for the Bears. Uh, Move on, the NFL expanded the 17 games, which will take one preseason game away. And now now will be three preseason games instead of four and 17 regular season games. And the game that the Bears added, they'll be going to Las Vegas to play the Raiders week 17. Um, so that'll be interesting for sure. I think it definitely brings in an aspect of um, the playing more, uh, obviously. And I think that um, we'll see how injuries kind of add into it. I know that was one of the big topics um and McCaskey also was one of the few people to vote no for this as well. So that is interesting. Uh what are you guys' thoughts on some of these signings and the NFL experience seventeen games?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know what? I like the Damian Williams signing. Uh I mean, why not at this point? See what he can do. He was great with Kansas City only a few years ago. See if we could get that spark back uh with the Bears. And then talking about the 17 game regular season, uh As a viewer, I'm going to like watching more football, obviously. But if you're looking at it from a player standpoint, I don't know why they would have uh, accepted this and put this in their uh, CBA with the NFL only because football is a very contact sport and people get injured all the time. I mean, you probably see one or two players go down every game, whether it's a cramp or if it's a serious injury. Uh, But adding that extra game adds more risk. For these players and for them to get hurt. Also, all the records from beforehand from this. I'm a big records guy. I love watching people chase records. It's going to be a lot easier for people to uh, break these records with an extra game. I remember, gosh, when was it? When Adrian Peterson was basically one game away from the uh, regular season season rushing record. Probably would have broke it in the 17-game regular season. But we'll see. Uh, I, I was listening to the Pat McAfee podcast, and he kind of made an interesting point. Teams that go 10-7 and seven this year, they're not going to be too good. It's going to be a very interesting uh, view at the end of the season with the teams that are in the playoffs and uh, how good they actually are. Adding this extra game is huge for teams.
1: I mean, the or the, the Bears really... I'm interested to see why they keep going after running backs. I have a feeling that they're very hesitant as to what Tariq's going to look like to start off the season because I'm pretty sure as Dame Williams, he didn't, he didn't. I remember if I remember correctly, he did. He opted out. of He opted out last year. He didn't play last year. Um, I'm interested to see why we keep doing this. Just because I'm. I've seen, and plus two, as well as us moving into the drafts coming up soon, I've seen a lot of news on Twitter of uh, our scouts looking at running backs at these pro days. Um, so I'm hesitant, very, it's interesting to see these type of moves, especially signing like Damian Williams. I'm interested to see how Tree Cohen's doing right now in his, his uh, rehab from his torn ACL from last season. Uh, the, the 17 game season, I know a lot of players are not happy about it because of that risk of injury. Um, and I, I think this has kind of been a long time coming at this point because I know they were, they, they've been talking about cutting down the preseason for quite some time now. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, moving to a 17-game season, as PT said, George Vukaski said no to it. And the joke is around Twitter that he'd rather stay 8-8 eight and eight than be 8-9 on the season, which is probably what we're going to end up being is 8-9 and nine, if I were to put money on it. But it's interesting to see, though. But uh, I'm going to – let's dive into some uh, – some trades and some draft stuff lately so the 49ers made a very big splash in the market last week um by trading up to the number three pick for the dolphins so the dolphins are now going to be picking number 12 so the the niners sent their number 12 pick a 2021 third rounder and a first round pick for 2022 and 2023 that's huge for the Dolphins. The Dolphins it seems like they believe in Tua of Iowa, so they're expecting to drop back in the draft and you know add another spot that they need. With the Niners moving up to that third spot. It's looking like that we're gonna have, have four straight quarterbacks go one, two, three, four. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we're gonna see obviously Trevor Warren's one. Uh, number two is the Jets, so they could be looking at Justin Fields. There's a lot of people thinking that Mac Jones is going to go number three, which a lot of people expect him to be back at 20 when he came to us. And then four, I wouldn't be surprised if Trey Lance goes to the Falcons to kind of have a backup plan for um, Matt Ryan. That leaves some room for the Bears to do some work. I think at this point I was dead set that we're drafting a quarterback. I don't think that's going to be happening anymore. Um, I don't want to take that risk on somebody like Helen Mann. And I think this leaves some room to move up in the draft a little bit to that like eight through twelve spot and look to add some valuable pieces. And I got my eye, I got my eye on one guy specifically. But I want to hear your guys' takes on these drafts, these draft moves.
0: Yeah, so I'm looking at uh, some mock drafts on CBS. In three of, and they have three mock drafts. Of the three, every single person has at least three quarterbacks going in the top four, and one of them has four quarterbacks going in the top four so very heavy uh quarterback early draft uh but with the 49ers and Dolphins trade I think this is a great trade for both teams Miami is just stocking up on picks really uh has a bright future ahead and the 49ers seems like they're unsure about Jimmy Garoppolo what a great uh backup plan to get a very good young quarterback early in the draft if Jimmy Garoppolo goes to shit, then they'll just throw in whoever they get and uh, see what happens. Or, you never know, it's a long off season. maybe a team makes an offer for Garoppolo, and they decide, hey, we might as well just give this young guy a shot right out of the gate. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how the 49ers uh, angle this pick. Uh, but, yeah, I- I'm excited for the draft, especially because uh, getting to see these good young quarterbacks getting drafted early I do have a question for both of you. PT, you can talk about uh, what you think first. But the question is, do we believe that Trevor Lawrence is a number one pick for sure, no matter what, and that another quarterback may not be chosen?
2: So 100%. I'll start off with the 49 Niners trade real quick. Um, I know a lot of people that I've seen, um, especially on Twitter, uh, Dolphins fans specifically weren't happy with this trade whatsoever, which was very surprising to me, um, especially uh, with the fact that they are getting uh, essentially two more first-round picks. The issue with that, though, um, if if four ers get a good quarterback and their defense comes back healthy, that that pick could not be could be possibly towards the end round one, which would not be as beneficial as a lot of people would think. Um, and they're also putting the trust into I it uh, It's, it's going to be real interesting to see what he does. We saw a little bit of here and there last year. Um, and he, he did have times where he was impressive, and then he had times where he wasn't. Uh, so we have to keep an eye on that as well. But that does look like they are putting their full trust in him, um, and we'll be moving on from that. To, to your question, Brandon, I think it's – a clear cut that Trevor Lawrence is the number one quarterback. Um, I think that he's proved uh, over um, from the moment that he stepped on a college football field at Clemson, that he was going to be the number one pick when he decided to declare for the draft, which obviously would have been in three years. Um, but I think these other quarterbacks behind him uh, made a name for themselves uh, as they continue to play um, where Trevor Lawrence was an absolute from the first, second, that. Like, clicked off that clock uh that he was the a number he was going to be a future number one first round f- number one pick um as we kind of look to at, at these few the kind of picks behind it you got jets at two 49ers move up to three falcons at four so you have the, the, the these four picks you have people that um ha- have quarterbacks that you think could play on other teams aka the bears um that means that if the 49ers want to go get right now a lot of people are saying justin fields that's his Position rank is three. Um, that means that Jimmy Garoppolo would be – we would see what happened there. Um, Zach Wilson is slide to go number two. Um, that means that they are moving on from Sam Darnold. So, and then, you, and then you have Trey Lance that could be four with the Falcons. I mean, we got three quarterbacks right here that are, aren't – I would say, like, Garoppolo hasn't been healthy and he's kind of been inconsistent. Um, so you can understand why they want to move on from him. Same with Sam Darnold. Um, but Matt Ryan, you know, he's ending towards the end of his career, so you might be in a situation where um, the quarterback that they draft is playing behind him for a season or two. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how the quarterbacks go. I think they are a clear cut, though. Um, I don't know how you guys stand on it. I think it's definitely um, definitely Trevor Lawrence, one, and then I think Zach Wilson's definitely proof that he is the number two. Justin Fields, three, and then Trey Lance, four, for sure. I think they are slotted in, and I think they will be in that order.
1: Yeah. Trevor Lawrence to me is definitely a clear cut number one pick. And I do believe that Trey, not excuse me, uh, Zach Wilson will be go number two. I think it'll be interesting to see how those next three quarterbacks play out in Justin Fields, Mac Jones and Trey Lance. Cause I mean, every mock draft you look at is very different. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but this is what I want to talk about. And this I have my eye at one guy specifically, Originally, all the original picks were because of the shakeup in the draft. It's gonna be there's gonna be a strong opportunity for Kyle Pitts, the tight end reporter, to fall to Cincinnati, and I can't see Cincinnati making skipping over him because they want to give Josh or yeah Joe Burrow somebody really a, a pretty legitimate target he can go to, and Kyle Pitts is definitely that guy. With that happening, a lot of these mock drafts have Penesul, who is a generational tackle coming out of Oregon, slipping in the draft anywhere from, you know, seven, eight, nine, even to falling into the double digits. I will say this. If the Bears think they can do it, you need to make that trade and get Penesul. If he's slipping to like if you think if you have a pretty good idea that he's slipping to between anywhere from eight and twelve, you make that move and you go get him. Unless Mac Jones is still on that board, then you go ahead and get Mac Jones maybe. But if Penny Sewell is available, you need to go get him. And I I mean it's playing towards our advantage. He, we we need desperately need help in our offensive line, especially in that left tackle position. Penny Soul, I'm pretty sure he t- turns 19 or 18. No, 19. He's got to be turning 19 like in October. He'll be 18 playing his first game. In the NFL, no matter where he goes, I mean, and just, I'm not trying to be biased because I'm an Oregon fan. The dude's a generational tackle, and he is slipping in the draft because of the way the dominoes are falling. I love to see the Bears do something to make that happen, but I, I honestly, I think I thought we'd be going and getting a quarterback, but I just the way it's it's happening, I don't think it's gonna it's gonna fall in our favor. So that being said, obviously we're looking at it strengthening up our secondary, but if we have a generational tackle available to make. I mean, you're, we don't have to give up too much to move up to, like, a 10th or 11th pick. We really don't. I mean, it's not going to be a lot of capital to do that. So depends what happens. Um, but I'm excited for the draft. And there's going to be plenty of stuff because we I think we're over a month away still from the draft. So uh got to stay tuned because, I mean, we'll be talking about this dead, what we think is a dead set lineup right now. But I guarantee you in two weeks there will be something completely different because there will be one trade that shakes everything up. So
2: I'm excited for it, though, boys. I'm excited. Yeah, 100%. I think um, that this draft has so much depth in a lot of positions. It's going to be really interesting to see what the front office wants to do. Ryan Pace has been all over the place at pro days, um, and I think that they can go multiple different avenues, especially how this kind of draft uh, has shaped up. It'll be really interesting to see what happens with Mac Jones, where he he falls to. Um, I think it definitely is going to have to be I don't think it's going to be a clear-cut decision um, before even the draft starts. I think the Bears are going to have to kind of sit there um, and kind of have different avenues they can go when something happens because something will happen and it will fall into a puzzle piece that they're going to want and they'll try to make a move, I think, for sure. Because Ryan Pace is aggressive in, in the earlier rounds. So um, that's something that we've seen before and I think we need to keep an eye on. So it'll be real really interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll Like like Pat said, we'll definitely kind of get in some more draft analysis in the next couple episodes um, where we really think the Bears are – where their avenues are, and what their kind of paths are. So, um, with that being said, I think the Bears are done. If you guys want everything else, man, we'll move on to. Oh boy, I can't. I can't wait for this. I know. I know you guys are excited for this as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. We're gonna be getting into baseball. We do have opening day tomorrow. The Cubs will be opening up against the Pittsburgh Pirates at one o'clock. Chad Cool versus Kyle Hendricks. Cool uh, being the number one starter for the Pirates. Uh, he has been. He did have a solid year last year, but the Cubs should be able to pick up some easy wins against the Pirates early early on in the season. Uh, the Pirates are going to be battling for that number one pick this year. Uh, they do have a nice farm system, so a number one pick would definitely be nice for them. Obviously, the Doctor Kyle Hendricks. I mean, what can you say about him? Just if you look at the Cubs and think of a pitcher that should be starting on opening day. It's definitely Kyle Hendricks, uh, absolutely dominant through his uh, Cubs career. Definitely deserves the opening day start tomorrow. And then on the West Coast, we have the Los Angeles Angels and the Chicago White Sox uh, taking on at 9 o'clock tomorrow night, which is a rough time. Uh, So I know us White Sox fans will be sitting eagerly throughout the day, absolutely pumped up for the game tomorrow night. Uh, The Angels will be sending out Dylan Bundy, who, after a struggle with the Baltimore Orioles at the beginning of his career, went to Los Angeles last year, put up some solid numbers. Uh, He is going to be the Angels' number one ace this year, most likely, unless we see a nice bounce back from Otani. Uh, But he did struggle very mightily in the uh, spring training. And Lucas Giolito gets the opening day start for our Chicago White Sox. Uh, Just awesome Awesome choice by the White Sox. I don't think I would have chosen anybody else. Uh, G. Lito is the ace of this staff, uh, and he has been chosen as the favorite to win the AL Cy Young Award. Uh, so that's awesome to see. Hopefully, he can live up to those expectations, but it's great that opening day is tomorrow and we are ready. Uh, unfortunately, the White Sox will be without Eloy Jimenez for the first, at least the first four months of the season which is definitely a uh, little stab in the heart, uh, definitely hurts. Uh, You know, Jose Abreu has been playing with the red batting gloves in his back pocket. Uh, Eloy wears those red batting gloves during the season uh, for his father who passed away uh, not too long ago. And uh, Jose Abreu said that he's going to be playing with those gloves in his back pocket as much as he can. Uh, When news broke that Eloy was out for a long time him and Jose Abreu cried over it uh so it just shows the bond that those two have but dumb mistakes just really hurt you in the long run boys how are we feeling about Eloy Jimenez being out for so long
2: I mean it, it, it actually um it hurts because there were so much positives around Eloy this year um he had a lot of motivation coming in obviously his relationship with Jose Abreu um, his brotherhood and the fact that um, uh, he even said that he's my he he's me my mom, he's my mentor and you know I I kind of want to follow in his path and be an MVP one day as well so that motivation kind of has definitely been kind of put aside right now unfortunately um, and you know I just I I, I don't understand um, how this very very concerning issue hasn't been fixed yet. I mean, we've seen it multiple times, and it just there's been no there's no been no it's spring it's spring training. Are you kidding me? We're 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 hanging on the outfield fence in the spring training, and we're trying not to get hurt. Like I understand, we're trying to get ready, trying to get reads, but the ball was not even like if you guys watched the video, there was no opportunity he would have caught that ball whatsoever, um, and especially with him being an outfielder, he is. It's just. He should he should put his he should be running right to the fence, put his hand there. If you can't make the play, can't make the play, go ahead hit a, go ahead hit a home run. Um, so the fact that we're not going to be getting the amount of home runs that he would have produced this year is going to hurt us a lot. I mean, it's
1: it was it was a gut punch. It really was. I mean, you couldn't even say anything wrong about the Sox team going into the season until this happened last week. He, this isn't his first time getting hurt. This is his first time doing something stupid in the outfield. I know a couple weeks ago he ran in Luis Robert and tried to like joke it off and laugh it off. I'm like, no, dude, you like you can't be doing this shit. Uh, so, I mean, we'll have to see. Hopefully, you know, he's it seems like he's got a great mindset for this this situation. And, and you know that he's got guys like Abreu and Yo-Yo. They're going to make sure he's coming back ready, ready to go and ready to come back with some vengeance. And he's going to play with the chip on his shoulder. That being said, hopefully this open. And I hate to use this as an example, but hopefully this injury opens the eyes of our coaching staff and our front office. That like, shit, maybe he shouldn't be our, our left fielder anymore. Uh, maybe we should really start thinking about moving him to a DH position and seeing what other options we have that we can throw on the left field. It sucks. It's a gut punch, but I can. I mean, I'm still excited for tomorrow, as everybody else is. I would be honest with you. All the other, the past couple years with the with the Sox. If they had a 9 o'clock game on opening day, I probably wouldn't even watch it. I'd probably be getting ready to go to bed or some shit. But I know for a fact I'll watch all nine innings. I don't care how early I have to get up on Friday morning. I'm stoked for it. It's going to be a great fucking season. And I'm just happy it's here.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, So the rosters have been made official. We're going to run through each team's opening day roster real quick. Talk about some guys that made it and some uh both teams do have some shocking choices of uh leaving off of the opening day roster. We're going to start off with the White Sox who will be carrying three catchers. Uh this isn't very common uh in the uh American or really just the MLB period. Uh they'll be carrying three catchers, Grandall, Collins, and Mercedes. Uh Mercedes just these past two seasons has been killing it in spring training and uh, gets his shot uh, coming up this year, uh, starting, on, starting on the opening day roster. Uh, obviously, first base is Jose Abreu, second base Nick Madrigal, shortstop Tim Anderson, third base Yo-Yo. Uh, right now, they have Leary Garcia in left field, uh, Luis Robert in center, Adam Eaton in right, Andrew Vaughn is the DH, uh, which we'll see tomorrow where they put him. We're going to get into Vaughn a little bit in a, in a little bit. Uh, and then the two utility guys are going to be Jake Lamb, who is just newly signed. Uh, I am a fan of this signing, just gives us more depth. Jake Lamb has told teams that he is uh, open to playing the outfield. He has not played the outfield in his whole career, so. And he's been around for a little bit, so we'll see if the White Sox take any chances on that. Or if they're just going to use him as a utility guy, as a third baseman, first baseman, and throw him in DH every once in a while. And newly signed Billy Hamilton uh, made the opening day roster. If Eloy doesn't get hurt, I doubt that Hamilton uh, makes it, but that gives a chance for Hamilton to show what he's got uh, offensively, defensively, and most importantly, his speed. Pitching-wise, we've got Leto, Keichel, Lance Lynn, Dylan Cease, Carlos Rodon. And in the bullpen, we got Liam Hendricks, Aaron Bummer, Garrett Crochet, Evan Marshall, Michael Kopech, Cody Hoyer, Matt Foster. And the ever-so-brutal, I cannot believe that I am about to say his name, Jose Ruiz, who I cannot stand. And I know White Sox fans all around cannot stand him either. It really hurts that Jace Fry and Jimmy Cordero are out for an extended period of time. Jace Fry will be back probably within the next month. Cordero we will be without for the whole year uh following his surgery. Uh but let's get into some interesting points here on uh one guy that didn't make the roster that's going to hurt me. Danny Mendick who had a great spring and a great season last year uh will not make the opening day roster. Uh, I do not believe that he will stay in the minors all season. I do believe that he will get a call-up at some point if somebody starts struggling like Jake Lamb or Billy Hamilton uh, and taking their spots. Tough to see, but with the roster we got, it's okay. It gives us more depth. Uh, if an injury happens, he'll come right up. And then Jonathan Lucroy has been released as well. Uh, the White Sox did want him to stay a part of the team going into the minors. Uh, But Lou Croy, you know, it's tough for a guy that's been in the major leagues for so long to have to start a season in the minors. Asked for his release and the White Sox granted it. He had an unbelievable spring training. I think he had over a 450 on base percentage. So I would not be shocked if a team does pick him up relatively soon. Uh, And then lastly, let's get into Andrew Vaughn making the roster. Uh, Absolutely great for the White Sox not manipulating service time. We see that so commonly in the league now. Most notably and most recently, Jared Kal- Kalenick, uh with the Seattle Mariners. He actually sued the team uh, because of manipulation time. He believes that he should be in the majors already, but the Mariners are keeping him in the minors to make sure that he has an extra year of serviceability. Uh, players do reach uh, free agency after seven years of service time. So if you have a player that... Uh, Sits out, I I believe it's around the first 30 games. They won't hit that seven-year mark. I think they'd be at like 6.950 to end the season. So they wouldn't be able to hit free agency and would be on that team for a whole other year. The White Sox are in win-now mode, so Andrew Vaughn will be on the roster. It'll be interesting if we see him play left field tomorrow. Uh, They did have him play left field the last couple games in spring training. No errors, made a couple routine plays. Uh, so Vaughn says he's ready for the challenge, and everybody's saying that he's athletic enough to do it. So let's see what he can do. It would definitely add more valuable to Vaughn, more more value to Vaughn uh, if he can play that outfield spot. Because if that does happen, even when Eloy comes back, I think Vaughn will stick in left if he's doing good, and Eloy would go to the DH spot, just eliminating. All chances of dumb uh, injuries on Eloy's part. What do you guys got so far on the White Sox?
2: So my mind first goes, obviously, our hole in left field. Um, I've always kind of been a big fan of Lurie. I think he does a great job of being that utility guy for us. I think he's almost, I mean, for what I can remember, gone in and done a great job wherever he's placed. Um, so I do like his batting the lineup as well. Um, the issue is he needs to stay healthy because he really has the last couple of years, which is kind of concerning, especially with everyone else being hurt. So that is definitely, I think, our weak spot right now. But I think Lurie, if he's able to, especially if he starts tomorrow night. So we'll, we'll see what happens and left with Vaughn or Lurie. We'll see. Um, that will be really interesting. I think, I mean, honestly, Mahoney, let's, let's be honest here. you got, you got to go Lurie and left and Vaughn direct. Especially with his inexperience. I mean, yeah, that's what you'd think.
0: I, I guess the only... Oh man, it's so tough. And I want to see what Tony does tomorrow. I wish we already knew. But with him starting Vaughn the last couple of games in spring training, I feel like he's doing that for a reason. To start him in left field. I don't know why he would just throw him out there the last couple of games. But... I would be comfortable with either guy in left field. I know there's a little bit more of a risk with Vaughn, but it's a risk that I would be willing to take because uh, this team offensively is just a fucking powerhouse. And to have Vaughn uh, playing left and then having Collins, a very nice power lefty bet in the lineup as DH, I think I would go over that lineup more than the LeUri in left and uh, Vaughn as the DH.
2: Yeah, 100%. Um, and so then when, with that kind of, two, you look at the other utility players on the bench, Billy Hamilton, I think that's the main reason why uh, Mendick's not up with the team right now, unfortunately. When I first saw that, I was like, I mean, what is going on here? Um, I really didn't think it two through. Um, with the possibility of Billy Hamilton being that guy, if something happens and left, that he would be the one to be first on the team. So hopefully Mende can get his chance back up there because I know that he he's, he's another solid guy that we that have that we can have in the infield. Um, so hopefully that we can have that figured out as well. Um, but I'm ready. I'm ready to see Andrew Vaughn absolutely explode and set the MLB world on fire because he's going to. Um, and I think that he's he, he can honestly be one of the guys that kind of. Keeps us. I mean, obviously the White Sox are going to be in the main spotlight um, for the whole season because of their whole team. But I think that he also could draw some spotlight as well, being the new rookie. Um, and this guy is – I mean, he's going to be so good. I Just watching him play makes me happy. Um, and, and hopefully he can figure out on left because, that, like you said, if, if we're able to put him in left, we can bring some power bats off the bench as well to be our DH. So I can't wait. I'm so excited. White Sox fans are going to be – I mean – they're going to be absolutely obliterated before this game even starts tomorrow night. I think it's going to be hilarious. Hopefully, hopefully they can they don't get too drunk too too drunk so they can stay up for this game. Um, but I I can't wait. I'm so excited. I I saw the that, the high video you guys sent um, in the group chat. It definitely got it gave me chills, and I'm super excited. Uh, let's fucking go, boys. PT said it best, man. Where everybody's excited for the
1: shit to start tomorrow night. Uh, I think we have a lot of good utility pieces. Like when push comes to sub, shove, we are running some issues in in the middle of the season. We have a lot of guys I think we can confidently fall back on. So I guess it's a good problem to have. Obviously, we don't want to see Eli go down whatever, whatever, by any means necessary, but it happened. And I th- think we're in a good spot regardless of what we do tomorrow. Like you said, I think it's, it sounds better. It sounds sexier that we are going to do Vaughn and left and have Collins at the DH. But are we going to be at a severe disadvantage with your Laury left and have Vaughn at DH? Not, not really, not really. So I think it's a good problem to have with the service time. Now I texted the guys and I'm like, they I saw it on Reddit that you know uh, Vaughn was going to be doing service time, and I'm like, I texted him like, explain this in dumb terms so I can understand. This is the same thing that happened with Chris Bryant like two years ago, right, with arbitration and shit. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So, because he was at like that six point like nine yep. percent years, and he was still good for one more. Okay. Yep. Got you. Got you. Yeah. So that's a good thing. I, I, I'm glad that's happening. Um, and I mean, it's like I said, these problems we're having. Obviously, we don't want to see Eli go down whatsoever, but we're having we have a lot of good problems. I guess you could say, like we have a lot of good things we could fall back on, and we're in a lot better position than a lot of the teams in the league right now. So, like I said, nine o'clock tomorrow, we're ready to fucking roll.
0: Yeah. And I do my last talking point with the White Sox. I want to put the league on notice with Dylan Cease. Dylan Cease has been absolutely untouchable this spring. Let's run through his numbers real quick. He threw 17 innings this spring, only giving up two runs and having 22 strikeouts. Uh, Just absolutely dominant from Dylan Cease, who worked really hard this uh, offseason on his control on his movement on his velo uh control has been a big problem for dylan cease when he throws strikes he's just as untouchable as anybody in the league his problem is though he walks a shit ton of guys and uh, hopefully after working with the white Sox for the last two years uh that cease has been up or a year and a half whatever it may be uh it'll be nice to see what he can contribute to this team in uh, the fact that he's going to be our number four starter, feed me that all day. I am absolutely excited for Dylan Cease this year. Uh, I think it's going to be a big year for him. Uh, do you guys have anything else on uh, the White Sox?
2: No, I think definitely Dylan Cease uh, can kind of figure out his control. I mean, he's going to be deadly. And just the depth, I mean – we were thinking before even spring training, thought like, well, where does he kind of stand in the rotation? Um, is he going to be a trade piece? I mean, he was thrown all over the board, um, and the fact that he came out and had a great spring training is always a positive, stuff, positive thing to see."
1: Yeah, I'm excited to see. Obviously, we know what Dallas can do. We know what Lynn can do. We know, we know, we know what Gio can do. But that back end with Cease, Kopek, Raylo, whatever we're doing on that back end of that rotation, and Rodon
0: as well, who also had a great spring.
1: Right. I'm excited to see what those guys do under a guy like Ethan Katz. Apparently, he's doing – obviously, I'm not too familiar with it. Apparently, he's a fucking mastermind in his job. And from what people have been saying down in spring training, guys like Raylo, Rodon, Kopech, they've all looked very good since learning from Ethan Katz. So I think it's going to be a big watching point is – you know, a lot of times you come across a game where you have your fifth, pit, your fourth or fifth pitcher pay, playing and it's not that enticing of a game to watch. I think a lot of Sox are going to be paying attention to those games where Cease is up on the mound or whatever we're doing with Kopech and Raylo and Rodon because we've heard so many good things in spring training with their work with Ethan Cast. We want to see it perform on the field. So that's one thing I'm definitely excited to watch.
0: Yeah, definitely. So now let's get moving to the north side of town. Uh, we're going to be breaking down their opening day roster real quick. Uh, they've got pitching wise, they've got Kyle Hendricks, Jake Arrieta, Zach Davies, and Trevor Williams. Also, Adbert El-Zole, Who uh, Adbert, we'll see what he can do. Hasn't been terrible in his time up in the majors. Trevor Williams is going to be a huge question mark, especially as the number four starter. And Zach Davies is not too bad of a pitcher as well, but as a number three, uh, we'll see how he does. So, in the bullpen, we've got Craig Kimbrell, Brandon Workman, Jason Adam, Ryan Tapera, Rex Brothers, Dylan Maples, Dan Winkler, and Alex Mills. Uh, We'll see how the bullpen does. Got a lot of question marks. Uh, A couple of guys who have been in the league for quite a long time and haven't put up really that good numbers. Uh, Somebody to look out this year in the bullpen, though, Brandon Workman, who had a very solid year last year with Boston. Uh, He's been a very good pickup. We'll see how he does this season. Now let's get into the position players. We got Wilson Contreras uh, and Tony Walters as our backstops. Tony Walters, uh, newly signed. If you guys remember the Rockies-Cubs wildcard game from a couple years ago, Tony Walters was the guy that knocked in the winning run for the Rockies. So went from hating Tony Walters to now he's our backup catcher. Uh, Anthony Rizzo at first base, David Bodie at second, Javi Baez at short, Chris Bryan at third, young Jock Peterson in the outfield, Ian Happ, Jason Hayward, and Jake Marisnik as well. And then on the bench, we got Eric Sogard and Matt Duffy. Sogard has been a uh, very solid utility guy uh, the past couple of years, playing very well for Milwaukee last season. Uh, and Matt Duffy after spending his time with the Rays, is now on the Cubs. He has been a solid bat for the Rays as well. The biggest question mark, though, why is Nico Horner not on the opening day roster? And we've got the answer for you. It came out yesterday, talking about service time, that the Cubs are going to manipulate Nico Horner's service time to get him for an extra year. Nico Horner is obviously very upset about this. Uh, the Cubs have been notorious with doing this uh, after Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant has even admitted that uh, it does leave a little bit of a stain on the relationship with the Cubs. Uh, so it's kind of worrisome here. I hate it. Makes no sense to me. If he started this season last year on opening day, why isn't he doing it now? Uh, but I could definitely see Horner, Nico Horner uh, replacing guys like uh, – Matt Duffy. uh, Jake Marisnik is a question mark. And then Tony Walters, uh, kind of an interesting opening day, backup catcher. Uh, I wouldn't have minded to see Miguel Almaya, who is one of the Cubs' top prospects, maybe getting a shot. But obviously, if service time is an issue for the Cubs, that wasn't going to happen. So what do you guys got on the roster? And Nico Horner not making the Major League roster.
2: Uh, so, just a couple points, especially when we're starting off with the Cubs roster. I mean, you didn't even give a shout-out to your boy. I mean, I mean, Jock Peterson absolutely had – um, I mean, he, he had the, I think he had one of the most incredible spring trainings I've ever seen in a long time. I mean, his name was on the social media feed every single day of him doing something. Um, he's going to be something special for Chicago, and, I'm, and I couldn't be happier for him. I know you guys are happy for him as well. Um, but with this whole, like uh, – I don't get it. I honestly don't because uh, the Nico Horner and this whole service time is just, we've seen it a lot recently. I mean, when you look at some of these big rookies coming up, I mean, Jared kalenic he's had his issues with the Mariners. Gavin Lux, he's had his issues with the Dodgers. Uh, young players are not liking uh, when they are sent back down. They believe that they are ready and they feel like they can definitely contribute to the team. Um, and it, 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 like you said, it, it definitely affects the relationship with the teams, and we're starting to see it um, all over the place. I mean, luckily, I think Gavin especially, um, they uh, they were talking about how he definitely has earned his time and he's ready to go um, to be their starting second baseman. So we'd love to see that for Gavin. Uh, but I, I hope Nico comes up and he, he, he burns the world. He, he lights the world on fire. You know, he, He's a great player, and I was kind of disappointed to see that he'd be sent back right back down to the minors. Could this only be done if they're on the rookie contract?
0: If yes, their first seven years or whatever. Yeah. So their okay. first right. their first years before they have free agency.
1: Okay. Okay. And it's there a valid reason for having this or allowing owners to do this?
0: For a team that's not for a team that's not in contention, it it makes perfect sense. But for a team like the Cubs, who really realistically should be in win now mode, uh, it's very shocking and very disappointing
1: interesting that's you learn something new every day that's yeah. that's uh you, you were telling me you were as you were reading off the stuff about nico i'm like dude that's so fucked up it really is um but i mean moving on to the cubs starting roster on paper their fielders looks pretty damn good
0: dude they have they'll have besides the cardinals who even then i would question that the cubs are equally as good uh they have the second best offense in the NL Central. The problem is, is the pitching. The, the pitching is bad.
1: Exactly. I mean, like I said, on paper, reading off their infielders and their off-fielders, like, goddamn, they're, they're legit. They are on paper. But it's all going to come down to their pitching. And it's a huge, huge question mark. I mean, you're going to – you'll turn on a game. 30, 40 games in a season, you'll have, you'll hear some dude him starting or taking the mound to start the game for the Cubs you never even fucking heard of before. It's going to be like, it's like for the Bulls. Whenever you got some random ass dude, we don't even heard of before taking the court, like for one minute at the last minute of the game. The Cubs,
0: shit. the Cubs better pray that no starting pitchers get hurt. Cause Pat, that's really when we're getting to who the fuck is this guy territory.
1: So, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to watch how it, I'm interested to see how the fans respond really because there's there's been a lot of shit and we're about to get into one of those big pieces that's pissed off a lot of fans. And if if they go out there and they shit the bed like all around, which I don't think is going to happen because you have a lot of firepower in the on the offensive side of the ball. It's going to be fun to watch. I mean, no like and we we we'll all agree with this. We don't want to see the Cubs be a laughing stock of the MLB. We don't. No. Unless, unless it's you know Cubs versus Sox and so, you know fuck them, we don't want to see them be the laughing stock of the league. But they're shooting themselves in the foot left and right, and the fans are the Cubs fans are just like Bears fans, man. We're already pissed off, pissed off enough about the Bears. You need to give us the time. If you're a Cubs fan, you just need the tiniest reason to freak out about this team, and they'll do it. And I think if they come out there and they lay a fucking goose egg, it's it's gonna be it's gonna get ugly really quick on the north side. But, like I said, we're about to get into one of those main topics that's really pissing off fans a lot. It's pissing off me as a Sox fan that they even did this shit.
0: Yep, and uh, Pat leading right into it. The Cubs gave an offer to Anthony Rizzo of five years, $70 million. Uh, Rizzo obviously turned this down and told him that he's going to go test free agency this upcoming winter. He could still re-sign with the Cubs, but... He's going to be hearing offers from a bunch of teams, and if the Cubs stick strong to their offer, Anthony Rizzo will no longer be a Cub. Uh, there, there, There's a, there's a couple problems with this that I have. Uh, I think that the years that the Cubs are offering is good. Five years, that'll be until Rizzo is 37. He can reassess what he's going to do for the rest of his career if he wants to finish in five years, or if he wants to sign a one- or two-year deal with the Cubs and retire a Cub. Obviously we can't look into the future. So you, you never know. But here's the issue that I have. Five years. 70 million. That's 14 million dollars a year. Is that a lot of money to me, Pat, or PT? Obviously. For Anthony. <laughs> fuck yeah it is. Uh, for a guy like Anthony Rizzo. Who broke. Who was one of the main pieces that broke the curse. He is considered the captain of this team. If you had to pick a fan favorite out of this team, maybe three, four years ago, you say Chris Bryant. But now I would unanimously say that it's Anthony Rizzo. Everybody loves Rizzo. Rizzo loves the city of Chicago. He does great things with the city of Chicago. Honestly, he he was the main piece that brought the Cubs back to, re- to relevancy uh, in the MLB after all those losing seasons. And you offer him $14 million a year. I get that Rizzo told the Cubs that he would take a pay cut, uh, but, I mean, we're talking about millions of dollars. Millions. If I were a team and saw this, that the Cubs are offering this, there is no doubt in my mind if I need a first baseman for the next couple years that I'm giving Anthony Rizzo the money because, I mean, shit. He still performs very well. I understand that he's going to be 32, might be leaking out of his prime a little bit. But considering that he's still one of the league's top first basemen, I mean, I don't know what team wouldn't be jumping at him that need him. Uh, if I were to realistically give Anthony Rizzo a contract, if we are going to stick with the five years, I would have easily of given him an $85-plus plus million contract if we're talking about the pay cut. And then if Anthony Rizzo didn't even involve the pay cut, it'd be five years a hundred. I mean, I think that he's worth the 20 million a year. I know that at the end of that contract, it might seem rough, uh, but I mean for what he's done to this done for this city, taking that hit at the end of his contract would be totally worth it for me in the long run.
2: Currently, there's a race going on in Chicago for the worst ran organization, sports organizations, um, and the Bears and Cubs are running away with that race, um, and people aren't happy.
0: People there are are, there are, multiple, are fucking pissed.
2: Yeah, and and this stuff is just being piled on and piled on, and, and and there's getting to a point where it's going to be the last straw that breaks the camel's back, you know, and um, like and like Pat said. Perfectly. We don't hate the Cubs. Um, and honestly, like, it, it was a great moment to see them break the curse, win the World Series, and all that stuff. And it's been a crazy emotional ride um, for Cubs fans. They were they were god-awful. And they had this great team come in um, and change everything around. And then all of a sudden, there's no sense of direction or where they're going here. And to see the fan favorite, the captain, their we thought was their untouchable person that they would keep around for forever. Um, kind of just kind of be thrown, kind of thrown on the side and kind of given a deal that a lot of people thought that were, was very, very undervalued. Um, and I think that it is concerning to see what, what this kind of plays for right now and the future for the Cubs. So I think that this, this, this move is not only going to affect this year I think it's 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 going to be especially if they aren't able to resign Rizzo. I mean, it's going to be real interesting to see how Cubs fans react, how team how the team reacts. Um, it, it's it's, I mean, I, I do feel for the Cubs fans right now. I honestly do, um, and I hope that they are able to come out. I think I think they will. I think that they will be able to come out and play well. It all it all depends on that pitching staff. Um, but Rizzo's going to get paid, and we can't deny that. Um, So, we'll we'll see if the Cubs kind of sack up and make a move, not only kind of for maybe not benefit their money, uh, but for the fans to keep them around as well.
0: You know, boys, after PT listening to you talk, I just got a realization. And uh, for Cubs fans, if you don't want any negative talk, skip a couple minutes and uh, I'll be done talking about this. But the realization just came to my head. They sent down Nico Horner for service time. They want that extra year. They signed Jock Peterson to a one-year deal. They have Rizzo for one more year. They have Baez for one more year. They got uh, Bryant for one more year. I mean, if shit goes south quick for the Cubs, and if I were them and shit was going south, and I know I couldn't re-sign any of those guys, I'm blowing the whole fucking thing up. So in three or four years... I have a absolutely stacked, pro, stacked minor league system. They've already got a couple solid guys. Imagine what you could get for trading Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, Peterson, all those guys. I mean, you could just absolutely load shit up. And if Rizzo says, "Hey, five years, seventy mil isn't enough," and the Cubs say, "Hey, that's all we're gonna offer you," so if you're not gonna take it, you're you're available for trade now, buddy. And I think that's something realistically that we got to think about. What do you boys think? Do you think I'm kind of right on this realization?
2: I think you are 100%. Um, and honestly, I don't think that I was able to clearly see like the direction where the front office is going, but the way you just explained that I think definitely does. Um, this might be a safety blanket move to, if like you said, shit go south and bang, TNT throughout Wrigley, everything's getting blown up. So, um, ugh. that, that's just going to be absolutely brutal. Absolutely fucking brutal.
1: It's definitely not outside of the realm of possibility. I think the way this organization is looking right now, it's, I think I uh, was you kind of have to, you have to mentally prepare that might be something that's coming. Is it going to happen? Nobody really knows. It depends on how this team looks if they take the field starting tomorrow. Uh, I know, Jed Hoyer did come out today and said that they're confident they will get a deal done. Rizzo, say they're ending talks. It's you know The headline is going to say Rizzo ends talks with the Cubs. He's ending the talks right now if he wants folks on the season. He's that type of guy. He's not worried about money right now. He's worried about going out there and playing for the, the team, playing for the city. So they will eventually resume talks. Jed Hoyer seems very confident that it's going to get done. You just gotta wait and see. I mean, it's a big, it's a big fuck you to to Anthony Rizzo. It's a big fuck you to all the fans. I can, I'll tell you that because if there's any reason why you're going to games right now, this team's gonna be as bad as people expect them to be. It's for guys like Rizzo and and Baez and Bryant. And if you're getting ready to ship those guys out, man, it's not gonna look pretty. I mean, think for that time where the the Sox were god awful. People would love to go see guys like AJ and Paulie because we had such a good way, such, such a good group of guys on that team. Imagine if a size Guys that had it's,
0: success it's, with us too, which makes it even better, just like the right. Cubs.
1: Exactly. I mean, imagine, you know, Paul Knerko is 32, 31, 32, and, and, and uh, uh Reinsdorf and whatever, uh, Kenny, Kenny Williams go to him and, like, they throw him a bone. Like, it's not even close what he wants, and Paulie walks. I mean, dude, that's a legend that's worn your jersey through it all and won a World Series. Look at Rizzo. I, somebody was, uh, was on Cap and J on ESPN 1000. How many guys in the league, in the history of the MLB, have lost 100 games with a team and then went from losing 100 games in a season with a team to winning 100 games with a t- uh, that same team in a different season and won a World Series? Guarantee you that list is fucking small. And you're going to take that a guy like that and just disrespect him like that? I mean... Cubs are walking on on thin ice right now, and it's it's once one domino falls, the rest going to follow through, and like I said, it can get really ugly, really quick on the north side.
0: Yep. Lastly, I give a lot of shit to Marquee Network. I will say this: they made a good move today. There's also some bad to it. I will say it's good that they're getting rid of the suit and tie whole getup that they're making everybody wear. I love that but now all of their employees that they have to wear the same shit. I don't know if you saw the video of the marquee network kind of get up that they have. But they look like they're about to valet somebody's car. They don't they don't look like they're relaxed like just let them wear their normal shit. Like they're talking about baseball. It's not like there's a meeting that they're going to. They're talking about baseball. And guys like Ryan Dempster who's been through it all with the Cubs. Hey Ryan. We want you we're getting rid of the suit and tie, but you got to wear this. This is a uniform that we're making you wear. Why? It, it like it just I'm going to say with the positive that they're getting rid of the suit and ties, but also what the fuck why do you still have a uniform? But whatever. What do you guys got?
2: I just think they're like they're looking into the wrong – like, yeah, it's, it's, I like that the suit and tie thing is nice, but they, I feel like they're just looking into stuff so in-depth. It's like they're so focused on the wrong things. Um, they're so worried about some small stuff that really the bigger picture is – some of the stuff that the fans are complaining about, I promise you the fans could care less about the stuff they're talking about right now. Um, So maybe, maybe kind of reposition yourselves and some things you're doing some research on and kind of maybe appeal to your fans or anything like that possibly, but who knows? Who cares? (laughs) I mean, let, let your, let your
1: damn announcers develop a personality for fuck's sake. I mean, like what, what from years we've watched growing growing up, watching, you know, um, Hawk and, Steve Stone, I mean, you think of Hawk's sunglasses, you think of the, the giant-ass trucker hats he'd wear, or, like, Steve Stone's, like, sweater vest and stuff like that. Like, let him develop a fucking personality. Like, it's... This isn't, you know, a grammar school or a high school a school uniform you have anymore. It's fucking stupid, in my opinion. And the fact that they're really, like, nitpicking uniforms right now, when they have a lot of bigger issues when it comes to the Mar- marquee network, show shows how it shambles this fucking organization is.
0: Yeah, and I mean... We are one day away from opening day, and people are still complaining that they had a deal with Hulu for last season. This year it's still in the air, and we're one game away, or one day away from opening day. I mean, what the fuck? It's pretty simple. Get it done. That That's it for Marquee Network before I start getting worked up again. But that does it for baseball. Again, tomorrow's opening day. Big day for both teams. Uh, just ready to embark on a new season baseball is finally back Uh, make sure to tune in for those games and shit if you have free time just enjoy watching baseball baseball's back baby and the games matter so pat go ahead are you in the room are you touching the button is the case on or off go ahead
1: I like this. I like this new weekly segment about where the fuck is Pat standing with the Hawks, because I've definitely had some movements around. So last time we recorded, they just won uh, two straight against Florida after losing. Oh, actually, they had only won one against Florida after dropping two straight against Tampa. And I was in that room getting walking to that case after those two straight against Tampa, and I was able to kind of relax for a bit after winning one against Florida. We able were able to sweep Florida. And I'm, I'm like, all right, I'm good. I'm walking back towards the door because uh, we got Nashville coming up, and now we got a series against Carolina, and then we're moving into like a little bit of a weaker part of this season. So I'm getting ready to walk out the fucking door, right? I'm on my own business. We go into Nashville and we drop two straight against a team that is now in the playoffs, and we're not. We drop two crucial games against Nashville, and I'm boys. My, my hand was about to pick up that glass case if the Hawks lost last night. I'm not even lying. Luckily, they were able to get their shit straight, and they were able to beat a good Carolina team last night. And they'll take them out again tomorrow night, the day that this podcast goes live, opening day. It'll be nice. It'll be a nice thing to go right from the Hawks' game. Hopefully, it's a win. of the White Sox. So, panic button. I've taken a step away from the table. Hands not hovering over anymore. Tomorrow's game is going to be a pretty big tower because losing those two straight against, against Nashville really fucked us. Really did. So if we look at our standings right now, we are currently uh, 37 games played. We're 17, five and five. We're sitting at 39 points. That's fifth in the central. Just underneath us is the blue jackets who is 14, five and eight. They're sitting at 36 points. And ahead of us, one spot is the Nashville Predators at 37 games played, 17 wins, uh, 17 losses regular time, and then one overtime loss. They're at 39 points as well. So we're tied points-wise with Nashville for that fourth spot. Um, but they are two games. Uh, they do have two more wins than we do uh, because we do have a, we have five OT losses. The top three is pretty much set. I mean, the Lightning are sitting at 50 points, the Panthers are sitting at 50 points, and the Hurricanes sitting at 49. Top three of the Central Division is, is pretty locked up. It, it's really going to be a bloodbath for who finishes in the top three, as in what order it is, but those three guys are locked. So, they picked up a big win last night against um, Carolina, and it's thanks to Patrick Kane and Alex Obrinkit. Those two have been playing lights out lately, especially Alex Obrinkit. He's been a pretty big reason why we're able to stay in some of these games, but it's 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 definitely scary right now because of the stretch we have coming up. Like I said, shit's getting really close between us, Nashville, Columbus, and we can't get about Dallas. They're still there. So we still have six games over them played, but they're still there, and they're still going to make a run for that fourth spot. And it's so important because we're that close in that fourth that fourth seed in the, in the Central Division, and our, our series ahead of us is the Predators, Columbus, Dallas, and then Detroit as well. It's going to be a really tough stretch coming up ahead because we're playing teams that are just as hungry and they're just in contention for that four spot in the Central Division. So the Hawks better nut up really quick. And I think it starts with our defense. Um, we I've been seeing a recurring theme over these past couple games where uh, it's the first period and we're getting outshot eleven to 12 to 13 to two. Like, as, like we're getting off to very slow starts, and thank God Kevin Lankin and men are playing pretty damn well these past couple games, especially last night. I'm pretty sure last night it was the first period, and we're getting outshot eleven to one. So that's my biggest my point right now. How are you guys feeling with the way this team has looked? It's been a roller coaster lately. So how are you guys been feeling? Mm,
0: it's a good question, Pat. Uh, I know you're about one step away from releasing the button. But in my case, I'm 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 like two steps behind you. I'm like two steps behind you. I open the door and I'm a step in the room. Uh, I don't. I'm not panicking just yet. Uh, tomorrow night, if we do lose, I'm gonna be right where we're, where you are today. Uh, but it's it's getting chippy, and I don't like it because I know we were talking about with this stretch. It's gonna be a rough stretch. Then we play Nashville, a team that we should have beat, and we lose both games. That's that's very uh, worrisome. But then we pick up the win last night against Carolina. So, a, a good team. Uh, kind of confused on the team right now about how we did bad against Nashville. And then we beat a Carolina team. But it is nice to see Debrinkit playing so well. Doc back on the ice. Nice to see him back. But Right now the Hawks aren't in the playoffs, so they got to get their shit together and play well these next couple games.
2: You guys are in the room of the panic button. I'm on a beach somewhere, millions of miles away, drinking a fruity umbrella drink. Whatever you want, whatever you want me to be drinking. I'm not worried for a couple reasons. Um, Alec Dabrinkit, when I said that I'm looking for a couple positive things, I was calling for Alec Dabrinkit to step up this year and kind of. Uh, produced in numbers he should be producing with the contract that he has. And he is. He is. When I saw the Blackhawks post today, um, that he, ever since he's been back from his COVID protocol, he is now tied for the lead league uh, goals with 17 goals. So when you see that, that's always a good feeling, uh, especially with this kind of season that we're having. Um, it, it is a little bit concerning that when you are, we are obviously now in a playoff push. We are obviously trying to contend um, when you are kind of battling for those last spots and you're not beating them, that always is an issue, and that never ends out ends up well for the team that is trying to make the playoffs. Um, so when when you have those games, they are must win games. Um, but beating Carolina, I mean, that's that, those are the games that you kind of expect um, to maybe get a point, maybe go overtime, or you know what, just kind of you gotta you gotta play play well. Hopefully no injuries happen. But you have to beat the teams that you're you're kind of battling for the last spot with. Um, so with that being said, you know, I, I'm excited to see what the Hawks can do. I think they will kind of step up their play. Um, there, there are positive spots all across the border. you got, you got your goalies stepping up and playing. Um, and, I, and I couldn't really uh, be more happier with where this team is right now because, like I said, I've thought this team was going to be awful and not even being close to a playoff spot. So the fact that we're even in um, contention here it, it is a good feeling for me.
1: I think that's my reasoning for being in the panic room right now. Is because we're already like at this point in the season and where we stand, if we I mean if we don't make the playoffs, we're not getting a good draft pick. We're not. At this point we gotta push for it. And I'm like that's why I'm kinda in that panic button room, is because I mean if we had had an awful start and we're dead last, or we're below Detroit the central, then keep sucking, let's see what we can get draft wise. But at this point, like we played so well, I got suckered back in, like this team's in and ready to go. We're not going to get anything good if we start to drop, and we like if we barely just miss the playoffs right now, we're not getting a good pick, a valuable pick, uh, nothing that will be a, a immediate impact for this team in a positive way. So that's why I'm that's why I'm kind of in that panic room. But one big positive, yes, Alice Brick has been playing out of his mind. Our goaltending play has been very good as well. Patrick Kane is being Patrick Kane. Kirby Doc is back in the lineup. It's been a talking point for us for the past couple podcasts. Everybody's saying that he's, he's getting really close to coming back. I was one that was like, I don't understand why we're rushing him. Apparently, we aren't rushing him. He's been back on the ice and been playing. I think he had just about 12 or 13 minutes in his first game back. He's seeing a little bit more since then. And last night, too, he was on a line with Dylan Strom and Yanmark, Mark, which is a pretty interesting line to see because all three of those guys can play center. And I'm going to get into that, too. It's, I, Dylan Strom, I don't think he's, he's, he should not be – playing wing. He should not. He should be our bottom six center. Uh, most likely the third line. I understand with Kirby Dock being back you're not going to throw him in that second or, second or first line. I wouldn't even touch that first line right now between Kane to Brinkett and Pew Suter. Strom is not quick enough. He doesn't have the offensive skill to be a solid winger. He's a bottom six center. I think he needs to go back to that position. That's a rant for another day though. Kirby Dock is back. It's awesome to see him back in the lineup. It's, it's 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 he's doing crazy shit. His first game back, he had a huge move, a nice uh, toe drag through defender's legs, and put a nice puck on that. That was just uh, it was poke checked away by the goaltender for Nashville. Which I mean, if he would have scored that, Chicago would have blew up. I mean, that your first game back and you're pulling a move like that. So that's definitely one positive. Kirby Dock returning to the ice. I'm interested to see how it develops. I'm interested to see how he fits back into this team and how he can impact the team in a positive way as we do make that playoff push. What do you guys got on Kirby Dock?
0: I mean, shit, it's just awesome for him to be back. Does make me a little worrisome, though, that we might have rushed him. But so far, so good. If he stays healthy, perfect. I am beyond excited that he's back.
2: So when you're looking at a player like this, who's kind of been in question, when he's going to come back, what's his health like, what percentage is he at, are they rushing him, you're obviously going to be looking at how is he playing with this where was his injury and what, what 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 does that affect so obviously that affects his stick handling and if he's able to be doing what, he's, what he did last night i think he he definitely is 100% um and that's a good sign because like we said we did not want to rush him back whatsoever you you don't want to do that with a young player um with the capability that he has so if if he's 100% um 100% he should be out there he should be doing his thing and keep on developing because that's what we need our young players to be doing right now Exactly. So to wrap up our
1: um, our Blackhawks segment, we have some news regarding the 2022 U.S. Men's National Team. Oh. And Stan Bowman has <laughs> Stan Bowman has been named the general manager for the 2022 U.S. Men's Olympic hockey hockey team. Can I tell you why they did it? I can't. I I don't. This news broke earlier throughout the day, mid afternoon here in Chicago. I've been able to read too much into it yet. I mean, hey, if he sucks, man, and and the U.S. gets their asses handed to him, which, I mean, it's it's always good competition, you know? It's not like any of the other sports, like basketball or anything like that, where the U.S. just runs through people. Canada, you know, damn well well Canada's going to be fucking playing their asses off. The Swedes, the Finns, there's going to be a lot of good fucking teams out there. It's interesting to see what's going to happen here with the U.S., to, we are you know a year away now at this point i'm very excited to see what happens uh, I'll, I'll get more information as to public response and what people are kind of saying why they chose sam bowman in next week's episode but i mean initial reaction obviously from us is we don't we're kind of confused because of what we i mean he doesn't really under, i don't think he understands what he's doing here in chicago just now like are we in a win now are we in a rebuild type thing how the hell can he not really know what's going on here in Chicago and manage the U.S. team. That's where my initial reaction was. Now, like I said, I'm going to do more research, give more educated support to my logic, hopefully, or change my reasoning. But, I mean, he's our GM for the U.S. hockey team. And, I mean, U.S. Olympics hockey is always fun as fuck to watch. Just like what we anything in the Olympics is fucking fun as hell to watch. Soccer, hockey, basketball, anything, you, you name it, it's fun as hell to watch. I'm just hoping that U.S. doesn't go out there and lay a goose egg. We'll have to see what Stan Bowman does. What do you guys got?
0: Congrats, Stan. Uh, But honestly, don't give a flying fuck. Uh, Don't know what this means whatsoever. Uh, But I do know that I'm upset that he is now having to focus on the Team USA when fucking the Blackhawks are still a question mark for their future. I want his full attention on the Blackhawks. But congratulations, bud.
2: I mean, is Stan doing something behind the scenes that like no one can see? That's just like great. I mean, I mean, everything. It sounds like everything is touching. now is turning to gold. It seems like he's he's been promoted. He's exactly. G- what the, the fuck? I I don't know. Is he is he running like? uh It seems like he's running like a, I don't know a dynasty or something. That's what you think. I don't know. But uh it's funny. I guess you got to con- congratulate him and hopefully that. uh it does, like like Pat said, it doesn't kind of divert his focus from what's kind of really needed to be focused on right now in Chicago and developing a team that hopefully can win in the future. All right, so
1: moving again, moving on to the other side of the United Center, we have our Chicago Bulls. The trade deadline has come and gone, and the Bulls sure as hell made a big splash, probably the biggest splash in the NBA in this trade deadline. So the star trade the Bulls made, we went in and traded Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter and two first round picks that are protected one through four for this season and a 2023 season in return for Alfru Camino and a two-time all-star center, Nikola Vucevic. I mean, Twitter blew up. We are all loving it. I, we all do love it. I mean, it was a great trade. Um, a lot of the owners in the, uh, in the NBA were shocked this happened because a lot of the owners were under the impression that Vucevic was off the table completely. Apparently AK gave him a call and said, if anybody, if anybody's willing to trade you or they're asking for him, you call me first before you pull the trigger because I'm going to make you a deal you can't refuse. And that's what he did. Um, I'm, Wendell Carter is gone. I kind of, I was kind of shocked to see him go, but obviously I'd much rather have Vucevic back than Wendell. Wendell has been struggling mightily, especially in the defensive end of the ball when it comes to guarding big-name centers like Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. Otto Porter, at this point, he was just eating up a fuck ton of cap. I will happily get rid of him there. The question mark was, we did give up two first-round picks. However, those are protected one through four. That being said, if we somehow tank enough to where we get a lottery pick and we are in the we are selected to pick either one, two, three, or four, that pick will fall back to the Bulls and not into the hands of the Magic. That's pretty huge. Um, I love the trade. I think it's doing pretty well. I mean, I'll get into the stats a little bit from the two games Fuchs has played in the Bulls jersey. He's already made quite a sizable impact when it comes to this offense. A lot of people didn't like it because of the, we're trading draft capital, and I get that. But, I mean, we haven't had a legitimate center since Joakim Noah. We haven't. We haven't had a good pick-and-pop center or pick-and-roll center since Joakim Noah. And honestly, Joakim Rose in a pick-and-pop center with that ugly-ass jump shot he had. This gives Zach Levine a person that they, these two can complement each other easily on the on the offensive side of the ball. Vucevic is much better on defense in terms of grabbing rebounds and being able to defend, size up and def, uh, defend, uh, you know, men that we're struggling against, like when we had Wendell Carter, I like the trade a lot. I think it's worth it. I'm, I'm, I'll say yes, it is worth it. um I didn't think Wendell or Otto Porter would have thrived in this team in the long run, and we, we now we have it we have an all-star center, which some of these teams have been missing for a while, and it offers people and tools that Kobe White and uh, Zach can complement off compliment off of. So, what you guys got in this blockbuster trade for the Bulls?
0: Fuck yeah. I am so pumped. Uh, I do want to say this. I know we'll get into the losing streak in a little bit, but they've lost two games since uh, the deal has been made. The deal was done, and people are losing their fucking minds. Guys, these are brand-new players playing with brand-new teammates. They're going to take a little bit to click, what, two games, and they've probably had, what, five or six practices together? I mean, you got to give them time to mesh together, uh, probably within the next week or so, we're going to see this team really start to click, uh, and it's going to be exciting to watch. This is an A++ trade, in my opinion. Uh, AK was very firm on that. This is a year of evaluating. They saw what they wanted from Wendell Carter, and they were like, hey, you know what, you're not our future guy. We're going to deal you, and we're going to get an all-star in return. I mean, just what an awesome trade. I'm very happy that Otto Porter is out of Chicago now. Uh, Pat, you made a great point. I mean, just the cap hit that we were taking from Otto Porter was ridiculous. Two first-round picks. At first, those were my, like, man, I don't know, getting rid of two first-round picks. But looking back at it, I am totally okay with doing that. I mean, we got a great player who's put up great numbers since uh, coming to the team. Also, with Zach Levine, uh having just another weapon on the team instead of Zach having to do it all himself, so that's huge for us uh just as a whole. but yeah, I mean, this trade is an a plus a k says you know what the just the timid mindset in Chicago of let's just look for the future is done we're going for win now uh a k wants this to be a destination for free agents. And, man, do we have a loaded free agency coming up this year. And there's so many options. And we got money to spend, too, which is huge for the Bulls. And we can make some big splashes. I know Lonzo Ball was a big uh, key target for the Bulls, this trade deadline. That ended up not happening. We'll just buy him this uh, offseason. We'll send him some money and welcome to Chicago. Easy as that. And I'm very excited because Lonzo wants to be a part of Chicago. And I think that would be a great uh, pickup for us this off season.
2: So we sat here before the deadline was approaching last week on our podcast. And I don't, I don't think we had a clear um, vision of what our front office was going to do uh, at the trade deadline. I think we were kind of zoned in um, on them kind of not really doing anything. Uh, maybe, maybe make a run at Lonzo Ball. Uh, but when I saw this come out, um, I, I was ecstatic. I really like this kind of uh, aggression that they're kind of coming with and that they want to make this a good basketball team and they want people to want to come to Chicago, which, which you don't see, which I I think these, the other sports teams in um, Chicago need to take a note from the bulls right now because Chicago people will come to Chicago, but the front offices are, are literally turning away these star players because they are awful. The front offices are awful. But when you when you see a good um, relationship between the front offices and players, players will come, and this team will be good. Now, when I saw this trade, yes, we're adding a very good center to our team. Um, like Pat said, uh, I saw this as a win for Zach Levine. He was ecstatic, and he could he 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 was. Very happy he posted on social media. We saw the presence of how positive that affected him. Um, And I think there was also news broke, too, that he wants to be a part of Chicago for a long time. So when you see that, that definitely makes you feel a lot better about the Bulls and where the future is going for them. On top of
1: trading Wendell Carter and Otto Porter Jr., the Bulls did make another trade. They did trade Daniel Gafford, Chandler Hutchinson, and Luke Cornette for Daniel Tice, a center from center power forward from Boston, which is going to be a, a very solid backup to Nikola Vucevic. Our be- there I mean, not only did we really make a big impact when it came to our starting five, we had a very big impact when it came to our bench as well. We now, I mean, with this acquisition of Tice and Vucevic, we can, and hopefully we'll really get his head out of his ass. Dad can be the guy that comes off the bench for us. Dad and Tice coming off the bench would be a huge asset with O as well. Colby White, when he gets back to being fully healthy. We have a lot of promise with the team in the future. That's why I'm very excited for it. With all that hype riding high, everybody was very, very ecstatic to watch the first game of Vucevic in a Bulls jersey. And that night when we took on the Spurs and we did lose, However, like I said, Vucevic did already make quite the impact to the, our offense. Uh, I guess Spurs he had twenty-one, nine, and three. Tough loss. I mean, the Spurs are always a stout defense. It just it was a tough one for us to take. Went out to the Warriors, a struggling Warriors team. Again, another tough loss, dropping two straight. Vucevic's first two games in, in a Bulls jersey both been losses. Again, against the Warriors, though, Vucevic had twenty-one, nine, and six making a damn good impact. Um, I will point out that Zach Levine against Spurs had 18-3-1 and 12-4-4 against the Warriors. Colby White was out for that game with a neck injury, and Lory came off the bench, and Fad started that day. Is um, Kobe
0: good for tonight?
1: I have not looked at any lineups at the moment. If you want to look at that up while I'm talking, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Kobe White was out against the Warriors The neck injury. Lori was benched and came off the bench with Thad Williams or me, Thad, uh, Thad Young starting in his place. Lori said he he knows he's a starter in the NBA, but he understood Billy Donovan's position to do so, and hopefully that lights a fire underneath his ass. So like I said, we dropped two straight. We've dropped our last four with Vucevic on the team. We've dropped two straight. We do take on the Suns tonight, which will be a very good game for us. The Suns are legit. I think the Suns are like third or fourth in the in the West right now, if I remember correctly. They're they're hooping down there. It's gonna be interesting to see how it should plays out. I will say this: Brandon, check for Zach Levine's availability too while you're at it. Yeah,
0: uh, tonight's gonna be a, a rough night for the Phoenix uh, for the Phoenix Suns. For the Chicago Bulls, Kobe White is out, Zach Levine is out, and so is Garrett Temple.
1: Yeah, okay. So I was just about to get into that. People are pretty concerned as to why Zach Levine hasn't been producing as much in these last two games, these last three games. Now people are like, oh, we added Vucevic. Now Zach's not going to drop 40. Shut up. That's not the case. Zach did hurt his ankle against the Cavs, threw some dirt on it, played through with the Spurs as well as last night with the Warriors. Maybe I would assume you could probably treat that to his, his tough go offensively. But even still, 18 points. 18-3-1-0. Yeah, that's at 40 points, but he's got some help on the offensive side of the ball now. Like I said, it's, we're sitting 10th place in East, 19-26. and uh, We're four games behind a playoff spot, with the Heat and Celtics sitting at 7-8, and eight, and they're boasting at 23-24. and 24. Bulls definitely made quite the same trade deadline. I'm excited to keep watching this team. It might not be the most enjoyable game right now for us tonight against the Suns, but I think people are zoning in a lot on these numbers right now. Like, you know, a guy's not, like Brandon said it best, a guy's not going to come in off of trade and have a, unless you're like a superstar type person, you're not going to make that good of an impact right away. Like I said, give this give time for these guys to get healthy, give them time to mesh well together. One thing that I'm very excited to look out about, and it's a talking point we've talked about many, many times before, is Colby White and his position as a point guard. Colby White now has a true pick-and-roll, pick-and-pop center. I want to see his assist numbers grow exponentially right now with adding a guy like Vucevic. That's one thing I'm gonna be paying attention for as the season goes forward. A lot of people said right when we added Vucevic that we're for sure a six, seven, eight seed for the, the playoffs, maybe even a five seed. That's that's a pretty pretty bold statement in my opinion. We're not playing like it right now, but I'm interested to see. You've Got to give it time, and we'll see where we can go with there. Um, you guys got anything to close out on the Bulls?
0: No. But I got some interesting news on the White Sox opening day tomorrow. We have been officially confirmed that LeUri will be in left field, hitting sixth. And Andrew Vaughn will not be in the starting lineup. Zach Collins will be hitting eighth as the DH. Uh, Probably because Dylan Bundy is a righty starting for the Angels. Uh, LaRusso wants the power lefty. Uh, I would not be surprised if we don't see uh, Vaughn at the later half of the game. But there you go. Uh, A little breaking news for the White Sox opening day tomorrow. And then finishing up on the Bulls. I mean, tonight might not be enjoyable, but if they somehow pull out a win, how fucking great would that be? So let's stick with the Bulls here. Uh, Talking about trades, the only person that we lost that I'm a little sad that we lost is Gafford. Uh, but besides that, everybody that was dealt, see you later. Thank you for your time in Chicago, especially Cornette. See you the fuck later, buddy. I I can't believe that he was even on this team to be, to begin with.
2: So I don't think we should be too concerned uh, with kind of our last couple of games, just because I think the chemistry still needs to kind of be built, and they kind of to figure out how they were going to work together, um, especially with some – many different pieces kind of be thrown in. I mean, these guys that we got are, are going to be playing 75 to 80% of the game. So these guys need to kind of figure out how each other play playing, their playing styles, all this stuff. So it's going to take a couple of games, but I think they'll get back on it. Um, we need everybody to be healthy as well. Um, the thing um, that's concerning me, I'm losing, very, I'm losing patience with Lurie. Uh, I read a stats the other day somewhere that statistically, if he doesn't play, the Bulls are better. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's kind of, unfortunately the thing, um, and the sad truth, but I, I think that he's going to come into the, I, I don't know what's going to happen with him. Um, hopefully maybe the Billy Dobbins not starting and lights a fire in his ass because he does, he's kind of, he hasn't been the player he should be, um, you know, hopefully he figures it out because like I said, I think he is a good player, but he has not been playing the way he should. And it's kind of disappointing.
1: Couldn't agree more, but they said the NBA was a lot of fun to watch last week with the trade deadline rolling through. But we do have some more enjoyable basketball. Brandon, do you want to explain to the fans what your face is right now?
0: Another White Sox breaking news. Uh, Giolito has talked to the media today, and he told them that there is no other team that he wants to play for for as long as he can. So some good fucking news on the Giolito extension talk.
1: I mean at the end of the day, you can wanna play in Chicago as long as he wants to. It just depends if, if Jerry's gonna open up his fucking checkbook, so
0: very true, but hey, good sign there. Very good yeah, sign. I
1: agree. I agree hundred percent. But like I said, NBA was a lot of fun. We got some more enjoyable basketball on the college front. It's been quite a couple past couple but it's been a quite exciting march, I'll say that. Um, but the Final Four is finally set. We have number one Gonzaga taking on number eleven UCLA. I literally hate the fact that I talk so much shit about Mick Cronin and he's fucking in the final four right now. But I'm happy they beat Michigan. And then on the other side of the bracket, we have number two Houston versus number one Baylor. Houston was my one team that I had losing. I think in the Sweet Sixteen or in the Round of Thirty Two. I thought they were the most overhyped number two seed. Honestly, but hey, apparently everything I say just fucking doesn't happen. I mean, I picked Syracuse to be my team. and They got shit on, I guess. So I I don't really know what the fuck to do anymore when it comes to this. But I'm excited for it. I do have a quick talking point, but we can hit on that afterwards. Actually, no, let's do it now. Let's do it now and we'll close out with picks. What are your guys' feelings on the schedule for the NCAA tournament? I personally like like this. Did you guys even know the Elite Eight was playing yesterday? Because I sure as hell didn't. I'm so happy
0: that we're talking about this right now because this was a topic that I totally forgot about and I wanted to talk about it.
1: It's so for those who don't understand what we're talking about, Sweet Sixteen is a great way to talk about it. Sweet Sixteen started, I believe, last Saturday. Sweet Sixteen round one was Saturday. Sweet Sixteen round two was Sunday. The Elite Eight of round one, the guys who played in the Sweet 16 on Elite Eight, they played Monday night. And then by the same thing would happen on Tuesday. The fact that we're stacking these games, like round of 64 and round of 32, if you want to stack those, that's fine. There's a fuck ton of teams. I get that. You give them a couple days off and you go on to the Sweet 16. That's cool. But the fact that you're stacking the Sweet 16 Elite 8 games. Guys, I didn't watch a single Elite 8 game because I didn't know they were fucking on. Because I didn't think they'd be stacked up against the Sweet 16. And I see, I turn on highlights for something like that. And I see Final Four, April 4th and 5th. Or something like that. I'm like, whoa, what, what happened to Elite Eight? And they're playing the games that week. I think it's one of the dumbest things ever. I think March Madness is, is so much fun. You giving the guys a week off or three to two to three days off after the Sweet 16 is not milking the process by any means. Now, am I sure that COVID probably is playing a role in the way the schedule is? I'm sure it probably is, and that's fine. But I just think it's horrible. I'm, I didn't even like I said. I didn't even know games were on Monday and Tuesday. Like it's just it's. I'm not a fan of the scheduling by any means necessary. What did your guys input on it?
0: Oh Pat, you know I love talking about sports and their TV schedules and all that good shit. I I was the same exact way you are right now. I was Sweet Sixteen was over. I didn't know that they were playing on Monday and Tuesday. Today comes along. And it's like, Final Four, here we go. And I'm like, what the fuck? I didn't see jack shit about when the Elite Eight games were. And obviously I must not have been on social media because I didn't see any fucking highlights either. But, I mean, I remember, this has been a recurring problem with me for March Madness. Is that, not over the years, but just this year especially. I would go on, I use the Score app. And it always would be, To Be Determined. To be determined. And then I would come back and de- the day of the games and it would be like, oh, this these games are on at 7 o'clock tonight or whatever. But I wouldn't find out until the day of the games. Obviously, I could have just went on to Google and probably searched it. But, I mean, just especially with the Elite Eight and Final Four, why are they stacked? I get COVID's a problem, but you've already made it this far. There's less kids than there were at the beginning. So there shouldn't really be that much of a need because of COVID to stack the games. You go Sweet 16, Elite 8, back-to-back. One, these kids are exhausted because all the games have been basically stacked so far. I know they had those two- to three-day breaks, but they need longer time. You get better basketball when these guys are uh, rested longer. Uh, And now they have what? Till next week for the... Is it this weekend or next week for the Final Four?
1: I thought it said April 4th and 5th. So, so is that... It's a Monday, Tuesday? Yeah. Yes. Why are these on Monday and Tuesday night? Well, I guess they're setting it up for like a Friday night or Saturday night championship, I guess. I guess it makes sense.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Still, why the, I'm not trying to watch a fucking Final Four game on a Monday or Tuesday night, guys. Like, come on.
0: Yes, right? I, I agree. I agree 100%. And, I mean, having this long break now... Why wouldn't you just add them, give them a couple more days in between the Elite 8 and Sweet 16 instead of having, what, seven a week of breaks for these guys? So I, I don't know. Uh, it's very confusing, and I, I'm not, I wasn't a fan of it this year. Uh, hopefully next year it all goes back to normal, but this year they did a very poor job of the scheduling for March Madness in publicizing it.
2: So I'm going to admit that personally, ever since Illinois lost, I hate to say it, um, but I've just been—I just—I've been so down about it. This whole thing, just like Illinois should be here, and all that stuff um and, and i and i hate to be that person it's it's never like it's never it's not a good feeling um but i definitely hopefully should be able to tune in for these next couple of games but look, yeah i had no idea they were playing last night i saw some tweets from portnoy and stuff like that they're betting on it but i was like are they really playing these games on a, on a monday and tuesday night uh, um, but let's really dive into this um, if you're putting yourself in the shoes of the ncaa you have these kids cooped up in a hotel, and I think they're trying to get this thing over as quick as possible, especially with COVID this year. Um, these kids can't go out. They can't do anything. Um, some of these kids, well, not anymore because Big Ten did so well in the tournament. Um, I was, gonna, If Big, if Michigan was still here, I'd be like, they're, they've been here for almost close to a month. So, I think that they are trying to get this thing done as quick as possible and move on and get next next year where the schedule will be back to normal. So I think that could be a, possibly, a possible answer for why the scheduling is so weird. Um, but, you know, you, you guys, I think we're all in agreement that so we don't like it. But I've heard some people saying that they, they absolutely love it. And I think especially for a company like Barstool um, where they're able to produce content on a Monday and Tuesday night where I'm, uh, there's nothing really going on a Monday and Tuesday night. So I think that they could work out for companies like that as well. So I think there's both sides to it. Fans, personally, I don't think they like it because a lot of people, school, work, all this stuff, really can't enjoy it late at night. So, I, you know, I, I think there's both sides to this story. Um, but I think definitely next year it'll, it'll be a bad terrible. I hope so. So let's get
1: into our picks for the final four. I know you could, both you guys picked Baylor to be your, what, your champions, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so you guys both picked Baylor last week. I decided to be the odd one and take Syracuse, and that ended fairly quick. Um, so Final Four is set. It's number one, Gonzaga versus number 11, UCLA. Number or number two, Houston versus number one, Baylor. Let's go into our games. Gonzaga versus UCLA. UCLA has been obviously having a great run. I think they're like one of the highest seeds to – as highest seeds, I think. Yeah, highest seeds. Highest seeds to actually make the Final Four. Um, it, listen, I hate Nick Cronin with a burning passion. I hope Gonzaga stops on their throats. But regardless, Nick has gotten so much love and so much hype for making this run that me hating him really is going to do, do anything any any good. But honestly, at this point, if is going to win, go for it. I don't really care. I already have to bite the ball when it comes to Nick Cronin winning. But do I think their their Cinderella run is going to be coming to an end pretty soon? I do. Uh, I think Gonzaga is just too. They're just too fucking good. They really are. I think they'll beat UCLA. Aside from Gonzaga, in that game, Houston to Baylor, baby Baylor's they they played whites out this entire tournament, especially defensively. I mean, they're they're blitzing. They're like blitzing the ball every fucking time. Like they're very stout defensively, and they're able to get the job done on the offensive side of the ball. I think it's going to end up being a championship that a lot of people predicted. I think it's going to be Gonzaga and Baylor. That's what I got in the championship.
0: I am going to switch up my mind with how crazy this March has been. I'm going to have a UCLA-Baylor uh, championship, and we'll wait on picking the winners. But I got UCLA and Baylor uh, go, going in the championship. And as a fan of the upset, I would love nothing more than UCLA going to the championship.
2: Alright, if I picked Baylor last podcast, I'm an idiot. Um, especially after watching Gonzaga just absolutely run through everybody. I mean, this team is unreal. And I think I've been kind of reluctant, um, especially being with a team in contention as well, to kind of acknowledge and give them the credit where it's due. I mean... We're talking about possibly one of the best teams to to play college basketball right here. Um, I don't think they're going to have any issue with UCLA. Um, credit to them, they've had an unbelievable run. They were the magic team this year. Um, Oregon State was also a very good ma- magical team as well. Um, but when you look uh, at that, I think Gonzaga's that clear path to the championship, but when we switch over to the other side of the bracket, there's a little concerning issue here, and it's when you look at the line, uh, they're get they're giving they're giving Houston some respect here. Houston is or Baylor's minus five. That's that's a pretty close number for kind of the matchup you're looking here. Houston is good. I know a lot of people kind of like Houston in this matchup as well, um, so it'll be interesting. Um, and I also really haven't given Baylor credit that much either, but they are very good. Um, and if I had to pick something, I think it would be Gonzaga Baylor. This Houston team, they, they. I think if you had to pick an upset in one of these two games, I, I think Houston could possibly do it. I don't think Houston has a shot at Gonzaga. Um, but my final pick would be Gonzaga Baylor. All
1: right, so you're yeah, gonna to have to tune in next week to see what our championship picks will be. But that wraps it up for college basketball. I have one final note before Brandon wraps us up, up for this podcast. Thirtieth episode, boys. Thirtieth full like weekly episode, not included in the season 30 fucking episodes it's been quite the time since we started this in what 2019 we're 30 episodes in so i just want to recognize that but brandon go ahead and close us out
0: i do want to talk about one more thing i do want to give a shout out to michigan state because i had them in my elite eight and because ucla beat them i looked pretty good having ucla go that far so thank you to michigan state for losing to ucla all right boys that does it for this episode of the Cloudgate Sports podcast. We want to thank you guys again for listening. Make sure to check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all the good shit and to listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasting needs. Thank you guys for listening and we will catch you in the next one.
2: Peace. Peace out.
1: Taves center for Kane, he gone. Oh, Patrick Kane set up by Jonathan of the tapes. The dynamic duo comes through in overtime! Hawks
2: wins. Looking, finds Rose. Rose trying to get open, fires away! Bang! It's over! The Bulls win!
1: 15 to the 20, breaks free the 25, to the 30, to the outside!